A large part of my job involves social media. And since the internet can be accessed from basically everywhere, that means my team can be found all over the world. To keep things running smoothly, sending money internationally has become a crucial part of my business. So let's talk about TransferWise. TransferWise lets you send money to over 70 countries for less than traditional providers, a lot less. While there are other ways to send money around the globe, they often charge you high fees or mark up your exchange rates, or both. TransferWise is different. It gives you the real exchange rate and charges a really low fee, which begs the question, how can TransferWise be so much cheaper than alternative options? Let's break it down. When it comes to banks, for example, international transfers are not the core part of their business, so they have not innovated them in decades. When you send money abroad with a bank, they charge you a ton because they're using outdated systems. Well, TransferWise is different. They reimagined international payments with smart technology. No overhead, no markup, just smart, motivated people dedicated to making it cheaper and faster to send money abroad. It's like how new websites make it cheaper and faster to book plane tickets. Well, TransferWise, they do the same, but for your money to travel. And TransferWise's borderless account lets you hold over 40 currencies at once and convert between them whenever you like. You can get paid without receiving fees. Don't take my word for it, though. TransferWise has 3 million happy customers that get a great rate every time they send money. You can test them out for free at transferwise.com slash yoga or download the app. Again, that's transferwise.com slash yoga. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. Oh, man, man, oh, man, oh, man. It has been a minute since I sat down with the mic to record the podcast um, all alone. It has it has really been a minute since I since I sat here on my own without a guest, without having someone calling into the studio, without having uh, having done research beforehand and prepped and prepared. Uh, it's it's been a little while, <laughs> and I uh, I've poured myself a glass of wine and gone up to my our little guest bedroom at the top of our house where I where I like to record when I'm home, and I just turned on the mic a second ago and I'm like, wait what how 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 do i do this again can someone remind me how this works oh yeah i just sit down and i just kind of pour my heart out <laughs> that's how this works okay <laughs> it's been a oh, guys it's been i i, I can strain it's super strange to say but i can actually say i've i've really i've really missed you in a way that uh, i've missed sharing in this way i've missed just kind of sitting down and taking a deep breath and talking about whatever is within my heart in this moment in time. Um, I want to start off and just, first of all, give a ginormous thank you to every single person that has listened to the podcast the past couple of weeks. We've had uh, two really intense weeks, one after the other, uh, talking about cultural appropriation and yoga and also talking about race and how to be an ally for women of color. Uh, I had two beautiful guests on, Susana Barkataki and Rachel Cargill, and they were fairly, I don't want to say political episodes, um, because I don't think they are. They're very, very human episodes and super important and real, um, but they were very dedicated to a specific topic and a topic that, you know, can might have made some of you, some of us a little bit uncomfortable. And we've had amazing response, not just in that um, people are kind of loving the conversation and all of that, but I'm in in a sense that so many of you, like an unbelievable amount of you, have tuned in and really listened to that podcast. And a few of you even listened to it again and again. 
So both of the past two weeks. So I just want to say thank you for, thank you for tagging along. Thank you for together with me, opening your hearts and, and being willing to learn and being willing to, to educate yourself or to educate your own community and the people around you, or um, maybe even just to go in a, dire- in a direction where you don't feel comfortable, um, just, just taking part of a conversation you, you normally are not a part of. Uh, so just thank you for that. It's been, it's been, it's been, it's been intense. <laughs> I gotta say. And right now, I feel like I have so much to talk to or to talk about. I mean, I have so much to talk about. Um, I actually don't know where, where to start. Um, it's been almost a month since I sat down to record just on my own like this. And over the past three weeks, I have had moments again and again where I've been like, oh, I, I just, oh, I need to do a podcast episode about this moment right now. Like everything I've learned right here, oh, explaining how I feel or this and that. And then, you know, how this podcast thing works, it's once a week. Uh, and even there has been moments where I'm like, okay, can we just do two episodes this week? Um, it doesn't really, really work that way. So we have this kind of once a week deal and that's that's what it is. So how that's kind of beautifully translated is I have started blogging a little bit more uh, than I normally do just to kind of express myself and to share how, yeah, share what's on my mind. I have been speaking a little bit more through Instagram story and done some Instagram lives and I've been writing just a shit ton. So it's been a a cool thing to see or to notice how important this podcast is in terms of my, I guess, outlet, like expression, just how how I get things off my chest. And it's also been nice to sit in front of the computer and, and, and write more because it's something that I kind of flow in and out of writing and it's something that I love. If you follow me on social media, you know that um, I fairly often share these kind of long emotional captions about, you know, life or death or everything in between. Um, but I really, I really missed having that space to just sit and, and write and blog or as I've done the past couple of days, write um, the final edits and additions and things for my second book. So it's been a lot. <laughs> just kind of looking back at the past three weeks, I feel like I've, I have, I have gone through some sort of, I don't know, I don't want to say transformation because that's where, that word is too big, um, but something like that on a, on a smaller scale. Like I've been in this little cocoon and I've come out on the other side. I, I don't know how to explain it. So where to begin? Holy moly. How about, how about a deep breath? So in... In, uh, in topic with the, with the name of this podcast. So from the heart, just speaking completely from the heart in this moment, how am I doing right here, right now? Oh, as soon as I say that, I, I, I get super emotional. <laughs> oh, I was totally not expecting that. <laughs> Isn't that funny how <laughs> you're, you're existing in this one space and then you just kind of ask yourself that question like, hey, what's up? Are you okay right now? What's what's moving through you? Um, I'm emotional, you guys. I'm 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 feeling really emotional. I'm feeling I'm tear, tearing up right now. And yeah, the past few days, I don't know what is what. If there's something in the water, in the air, with the moon, <laughs> and I've been sharing a little bit, and I've been of this kind of. I've, I've been feeling really emotional and had some really high highs and low lows. And whenever I've shared that, so many people have said, oh, I feel exactly the same. So I'm thinking it's a, it's a community thing. It's like a human thing, something that's passing through all of us on this planet right now, or at least a, a big portion of us or people in this community. 
I am really emotional. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Just from the heart, how am I doing? <sighs> so I'm sitting in this bed. It's it's our guest bedroom. We just had James Aspie and his girlfriend Carly. Um, you guys know James. I mean, I know you guys know James. I did a podcast with him last year. It was in October sometime. Uh, it's on veganism. The episode is called Peace, Love, and Veganism. If you haven't listened to it, tune in for sure. It is literally, uh, I get I get it every single day. People telling me, oh, the podcast you did with James made me go vegan. It was a really important episode. It was an important, important conversation for me. It tra- made me transition from being vegetarian back to being vegan, which I was for many years. And it's just been a really positive change in my own life. So we had uh, James and Carly here in Aruba. They were, they're still here. Actually, we're hanging out every day. <laughs> um, but they spent the first week of their stay. They're here from Australia. And we had an event at the studio where I taught a class and James did a talk. And then he did a talk at the university here in Aruba and kind of talking about the ethical treatment of animals and then veganism and, and just spreading his message, which I think he does so beautifully. And they've been here for a week so far and they were staying at our house in this guest room so I'm sitting kind of like it feels like I'm sitting in James and Carly's room (laughs) right now and I haven't recorded up here in a while and it's been really cool having them here just on the topic of 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 being vegan um also like in the past month we have released a YouTube channel (laughs) I haven't really talked about that or had a chance to talk about that in the podcast. We released a YouTube channel or kind of I had this old channel that was inactive that I hadn't touched for for years. And we've sort of relaunched this YouTube channel as a family. So every week, every Tuesday, we share a new video, um, just really different from everything we normally share. So a little bit different from this podcast and from Instagram and everything else. So more family oriented, behind the scenes stuff. And Last week or the last episode we released was about about veganism and me talking to James and kind of us showing some recipes and making ice cream and stuff. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, make sure you do because we are putting a shit ton of fun and effort into making these little videos every single week. And so far it's been it's been surprisingly challenging and easy at the same time. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of, a lot of shifts and changes happening in our own lives, in our lives here in Aruba and having James and Carly here. So if you guys listen to this podcast, you know, already, and we talk about this a lot. I usually have Dennis, my husband on the show. Um, yeah, every four or five episodes he comes on and the number one question people ask again and again is what is it like that I'm vegan and the baby's vegan, but he's not? Like, is that an issue for us? Do we fight about it? So we've talked about that a ton. And Dennis is not vegan. Um, I mean, he eats a ton of vegan food. We only cook vegan food in the house. Uh, we don't keep like animal products and stuff in the house. But if we go out to eat or whatever, um, and it used to be like he would just eat fish. Um, but over the past couple of months, it's been like, if we go out to eat, like he'll just eat whatever. And he's been eating a lot of meat lately. And, you know, it's been... Um, it's just, it's just, it's a non-issue in our relationship. It's, it totally is. Um, it's, you know, his life, his choices. And all I can do is just, I want to inspire him to be really healthy. And, um, the few times where it kind of becomes like a little bit tense in our relationship is when I feel like he's being really unhealthy or not treating his body really well. Like he had this sort of fried, like chicken wing thing going on the other, not the other day, but the other week. And I was like, dude, is this like really something you need to put into your system right now? Like, isn't there like something else you can order? And then I catch myself like, hey, it's not super fun to have your you know, dietary choices called out, 
by your family over dinner. So just, you know, you got to like find your timing and one step at a time. And I know uh, a transition like this, it's a massive thing. It's not just a little thing. And how Dennis works, and this is something that I know from having been with him for almost an entire decade, the more I suggest something or push something, the further away he goes. So he's the type of guy that like, he has to just completely figure things out on his own. And if I ever want to nudge him towards something, I have to sort of pretend like it's it's his idea. It's never my idea, <laughs> which is just such a funny thing. Um, like for instance, um, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. That's what I do. I tried getting him into, when we first met, I tried getting him into yoga for at least a year. He was totally against it, thought it was this girly thing or a hippie thing and not for him. And then he, I brought a, a few of my teachers in to Aruba to teach at this hotel where I was working at. And he took a class with this teacher of mine and this guy, this, this, this man. And he was like, oh my God, yoga yoga is amazing. I can't believe how cool yoga is. Yoga is the coolest thing ever. What? I love yoga. And I was like, dude, <laughs> like I'm a yoga teacher. I've been trying to get you to class for a whole year. And now this like random guy from California shows up teaching a class and now you love yoga. Okay, fine, fine. Whatever gets you there. <laughs> but that's sort of the, the trend that we have in our relationship. And you know, he's my husband. I love him to death no matter what. But it was a kind of an interesting thing because when we when we um, decided to link up with James and Carly and they were going to come visit Aruba, I was like, hey, so, you know, James and I show him like we look at James's talks and videos a lot. And uh, I, of course, I did the podcast and we listened to that. Uh, like they, they're going to come to Aruba and maybe we'll do a thing at the studio and they want a little vacation. And, you know, maybe there's some like vegan outreach that they can do here. Like, are you cool with them? Like staying at our house? He was like, um, what? Like the... You want the vegan, like the mega vegan activists to stay at our house for a whole week? Wait, what? <laughs> and I think his first reaction was just like, oh my God, wait, no, I don't want to feel like I'm judged, right? Because that's a really big thing. And I think that is a big reason why um, why vegans sometimes have a hard time spreading what actually is a really loving message. Um, no one wants to feel judged or shamed or blamed, like that's no way to create any type of change or to nudge someone toward um, changing anything ever. And I was like, you know what? Like, I really, really believe that like their way is just this super loving and conversational. And like, they seem like super uplifting people. Like we'd never met in person before. This is sort of how we we roll. Like anyone off the internet, you're just totally welcome to come hang out at our house. <laughs> but I'm like, I just, you know, get the feeling that they're super cool. Like we've never met, but we like we're internet friends. Um, and he was like, okay, okay, well, they seem like super cool people. Okay. But you know, like, like I just, if they're going to be like judgy vegans, he's like, I'm not going to stick around. Like that's just does not sound like a fun thing for me. And I didn't know what to expect either, you know, like in real life, like, because if you watch James or Carly, if you watch them online or like, like James has spoken in front of like 30,000 people at marches and he has viral videos of millions and millions of views and, you know, has done some really extreme things like 24 hours of being tattooed or biking like 5,000 kilometers or being silent for an entire year for the animals. Like who does that? Like he's kind of an extreme guy. <laughs> so we didn't know what to expect. But it's been a really, really, really lovely week. Like they're super cool people. We've made amazing food at the house and we haven't had basically almost no vegan conversations at the house, like over dinner. Um, and they know Dennis isn't vegan. So I think it's just been this kind of respectful way. Like there's, you know, like Dennis has heard everything he's ever going to hear. There's no need for this to become this kind of preachy situation. So it's been 
really relaxed and already like day two or three Dennis was like oh my god like they're so chill and this is not what I thought they were going to be like talking about veganism non-stop and trying to like shame me for not being vegan and that's just not how they roll at all and the beautiful thing about this um so they were here at the house like I don't know seven or eight days and no big vegan conversation I mean of course it's come up here and there but there's been like no big like you know discussions or debates or anything like that and all of a sudden, like really, all of a sudden, day what five, Dennis comes up to me at the house. He's like, "Hey, I'm about to go for this for this long bike ride." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Is Gatorade vegan?" <laughs> and I was like, "What? Like Gatorade?" He's like, "That's normally what I drink like halfway through the bike ride. Like we stop at this little supermarket. The whole like they go for these like hundred mile bike rides. Him and his uh, triathlete group." Um, training for Ironman he's like we stop at this little like supermarket and normally because like you know I need like the electrolytes and sugar and stuff like I'll just grab a Gatorade or like whatever is that vegan I'm like I don't know I would think so it's really bad for you it's like high fructose corn syrup and like weird coloring but I don't know if it's vegan like let's google it and I google it and Gatorade is vegan um most of Gatorade is vegan and I was like yeah it's vegan he's like oh okay, cool. I just, just wanted to make sure, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so that, that's cool. <laughs> and then he went biking and I was like, James, Dennis just asked me and he never, ever in a million years, like he's never asked me this for anything ever. Like if Gatorade was vegan, he's like, mm, that's, that's interesting. I was like, yeah. And since then, like since they've been here or since they came, um, like Dennis has been hundred percent vegan without a single word from anybody, like without any like you know decision or um like big big like you know like kind of telling the world like i'm gonna try to be vegan now like nothing like that he's just like had little questions here and there here and there here and here and there here and there here and there (laughs) can i speak like what is happening with my voice here and there he's there here and there (laughs) there there i've forgotten how to say the most basic word of the history of the world how do you say there 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 <laughs> okay i'm moving on now what the fuck uh, i'm a little bit tired so and i've had half a glass of wine so if that comes out in this podcast i'm terribly sorry but anyway um a bunch of stuff like and i was like explaining i was like hey like if you like all of a sudden care if stuff is vegan like I didn't say it like that but I was like that's kind of like crazy that he is asking I'm like you know I can make you like a super cool sports drink um for you to take with you when you bike like coconut water salt fruit juice water like there's this basic recipe that just gives you the same stuff that you need that comes in Gatorade but it's like it's good for you like it's not bad he was like okay yeah like I'll take that mm-hmm and I'm like giddy with excitement on the inside, but I can't show Dennis how excited I am that he's asking me for healthy stuff. <laughs> so I'm like quietly like preparing my recipe for this mega, imp- the most important energy drink I've ever made in my life. Because what if Dennis doesn't like it? He's going to revert back to Gatorade or whatever else terrible stuff that he like normally eats. And I just like, you know, I already know like, and he goes in and out of like, you know, unhealthy and super healthy stuff. He doesn't care normally about anything. He doesn't like at all, um, like just basic knowledge of like nutrition and stuff. Like it's just not part of his mind. Um, so I can feed, I, like I make all the food, I cook all the food at the house and whatever I like put in front of him, he eats it joyfully. Like he likes everything. 
Um, but when we're, when, when he makes his own choices, like when he's up biking or out to dinner or whatever, yeah, like he would probably live off of cup noodle soup, French fries, chicken wings, and Gatorade. Like that's probably what his diet would be if he was a single man. <laughs> and, you know, he, he trains for Ironman. So it's like, it's kind of this contrasting thing. But my approach to this has been, because of course, like I would love for my husband to go vegan. Um, I don't, I mean, it wouldn't change like our family dynamic, like a ton of, at all. I just, I want him to live a really long and healthy life. Um, you know, we have a, a vegan business, a vegan restaurant. Um, I would love for him to not, eat chicken wings all the time and, and things like that. Um, but I also like don't want to scare him away by showing that I'm this excited. So I'm keeping my excitement level to a total minimum. Uh, but a bunch of things like the other day I was like, oh, like he he went and bought toothpaste at the store. I was like, hey, just so you know, like this toothpaste isn't vegan. He was like, oh no, should I return it? Wait, maybe I can give it to someone who wants it. Okay, wait, do we have something else? I don't want to use it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> that's that's cool. You don't want to use the non-vegan toothpaste. Oh my God. <laughs> you are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. If there's something I'm always trying to cultivate more of in my life, it's being calm. Imagine an uncluttered space to catch your breath, feel relaxed and take pleasure in the little things. Well, guess what? Parachute just launched their fall 2018 collection and it's all about creating calm. Mornings in bed cuddling with the baby, Dennis and Ringo just got a whole lot cozier. Let me tell you more about Parachute. They make modern bedding and bath essentials for a more comfortable home. They only use the finest materials, 100% long staple Egyptian cotton for their percalin sateen, pure European flax for their linen, and 100% Turkish cotton for their towels. With smart, simple, and unique details, any room will feel crisp and clean. Designed in Venice Beach and responsibly manufactured by expert craftspeople around the globe, Parachute products surpass the highest criteria for testing for harmful chemicals and synthetics. But not only that, somehow Parachute's products only get softer and softer every time they are washed. I sleep even better knowing that my purchase is helping a variety of incredible causes. Return items are donated to Habitat for Humanity, and Parachute is committed to helping animals too. Ringo can usually be found on my bed, but for every dog bed purchased, they donate a percentage of sales to foster-based shelters located in LA. I dream of a world where everyone starts their day cuddling in the coziest blankets. Spend time to wake up slowly with Parachute. Visit parachutehome.com slash yoga girl for free shipping and returns on Parachute's very comfortable bedding and bath linens. That's parachutehome.com slash yoga girl for free shipping and returns on Parachute's bedding and bath linens. They offer a 60-day trial, so if you don't love it, just send it right back. So this is sort of like this kind of change that is happening in our in our in our household right now we've had tofu three times this week Dennis normally never eats tofu like tofu is like one of those things and he's like no way and he just doesn't say anything he seems like stoked about everything I don't know what's going on like there's something in the air that's just making us all really susceptible to to change I don't know and I've been reading up about so this new moon that we had on Sunday um apparently it's kind of a kind of a big deal this new moon I'm not you know I'm not super well-versed in astrology, um, but this new moon came from what I've read with this inner shift, this sort of um, forcing us to look at all of our stuff that isn't cleared, like anything that's clogging the drain, anything that's in the way, an obstacle, unhealthy patterns, kind of bringing that to surface and giving us this amazing opportunity if we show up with courage to change to open up to this new sort of consciousness or this new sort of re reality, whether that means, you know, a little dietary change or a shift of consciousness, a learning, educating yourself. I don't know. 
And uh, for me on a personal level, like I have had so much of that. Um, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know how much because I, I kind of, I could totally dedicate an entire podcast episode to solely speaking uh, about cultural appropriation and yoga, uh, which has been such a massive, massive um, topic in the front of my mind. Uh, we've made some changes at the studio. I've had a lot of learning come my way and also a lot of assurance in, in uh, kind of what I've already been doing and really in a really good way for a long time. Um, but just this sort of evaluation of, 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 of my life in a lot of different areas. And it's been uncomfortable. I got to tell you, it's been, it's, it's, I don't know, I, maybe that's how Dennis feels when he's kind of faced with like, but what about meat? But what about fried food? But what about high fructose corn syrup? Like all that stuff that like, if I say anything about that, he's like, oh my God, just like shut up already. Let me eat what I eat. I'm 90% vegan. Like, let me be you know, or 90% super healthy, like, let me be the last 10%, whatever. And all of a sudden, now there's this sort of opening to to shift, to, to a change or a shift happening. And for me, specifically on the topic of, of cultural appropriation and yoga, this was sort of, do <laughs> you know when you have something on your mind, and then all of a sudden, it's all over your social media feed? I don't know if that's like Facebook has this little chip imprinted in our brains already. Um, but like I'll think about something or someone will mention something to me. And all of a sudden there's an article that pops up or a friend shares this. Of course, it's the law of attraction in action. Um, I know that. So like where uh, attention flows, energy goes like that. There's a super truth to that. So when you start directing your attention and energy somewhere, chances are you're going to bring about more of that. Um, if you think about a person that you haven't thought about in a long time and then suddenly you see them, you know, that stuff, like it just, it happens all the time. And I had this with the topic of yoga and cultural appropriation. Um, it was a conversation I had with a friend and then an article shared in my Facebook feed. And then all of a sudden this girl I follow on Instagram shared this whole big story that she put in our highlights about cultural appropriation and yoga. And for me, when I've been kind of faced with this or when I've had the discussion on this before in the past, it has not been um, yoga related in a way of kind of looking at everything that yoga is and on this big picture scale of should Western people or white people be teaching yoga? Like that's, it's never been on that large of a scale. Uh, it's been um, more related to kind of the tools and the accessories that come along with the practice or with the lifestyle of, of living a yogic lifestyle. So is it appropriate to put a painting of Ganesh like in your home? Is it appropriate to wear a bindi when you go to a music festival? Um, is it appropriate to wear a Native American headdress? Um, you know, conversations like that and things that I feel like are being um, called upon or are kind of being addressed in, 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 in all of our communities and societies right now, which is an amazing thing. And when I was faced with sort of this kind of um, big wave of the big picture question, you know, sh should you be teaching yoga as a white woman? It absolutely challenged me. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of shook my my whole core a little bit because it challenged not just this this little accessory or tool that I use with my practice, but it, it challenged my whole being. I have so much of my identity invested in the practice that I love. You know, this and it's 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 not just this um, you know an hour a day that I have um, for something sacred or 
for some people, it's an exercise or a way to kind of get out of your head and into your body and move and stretch or, or whatever. For me, this is my whole life, really my whole life. Yoga is uh, personally, you know, it's, it's kind of what gets, gets me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> it's what keeps me sane. It is definitely my most sacred moment of the day. It's, um, it's also what saved me from really, really, really dark times, what helped heal me when I was, in, you know, in the worst moments of my life. And it's been something that I've had by my side um, as a refuge throughout every, yeah, every, every loss, every difficult moment, every crisis, every trauma, uh, also through the highs, you know, like morning of our wedding, like every moment, like <laughs> there's just every big moment in my life, yoga has been there. And of course, there's this whole other side of it where yoga is also part of my business. Yoga is also what I do for a living. I teach yoga. Um, I'm yoga girl. <laughs> like this is a really big part of my identity. So when I was faced with this big picture question, my first reaction was not like, oh, this is an interesting question. Let, let's let's discuss this. Let's do some research on that. My first re reaction was like, what? <laughs> like whoever asked that, like fork you, like you must be out of your mind. This is crazy. Of course, it's not cultural appropriation to, to teach yoga. Like this is a practice brought here from India on purpose with intention. Yoga should be spread far and wide. It's this amazing life-changing thing. Um, and then the further this conversation kind of progressed and the deeper it got, um, so many big pieces of this came up that deeply challenged, not just, you know, my core belief in that yoga helped change my life and should continue to help change people's lives all across the world. But am I practicing and teaching yoga in a way that's respectful enough that it fully honors the origin and the history and the philosophy of this mega ancient practice. And the truth of that question, I mean, it, it took, it took um, not that much soul searching. The big, big, big question, the, the, the should I be teaching yoga, that was fairly, fairly quick for me. Um, should I be practicing and teaching yoga? There's a big resounding yes in my heart from that place. Um, you know, I, anyone who's ever practiced with me, who's been practicing with me for years, anyone who's attended programs, um, I mean, we'll, we'll know that this is the most sacred thing that I do. There's nothing about yoga for me that's just exercise or that's become this kind of westernized thing where it's it's lost its roots or it's, um, no, no, no. I mean, for me, <laughs> anything that I can do as a teacher to bring about more of that connection, more of that union, um, I do. And that's, become almost like this art form for me is how much can I, how deeply can I make people connect on their, on their mats? How deeply can I, can I anchor us as a community and, and for each individual to deeply connect to why they're here, to setting that intention, to finding purpose. And then of course, making space for healing on the inside so that we can use that healing and step out into the world and do amazing stuff. Yoga for me, it's not the beginning and the end. Um, yoga for me, the, the, the biggest piece of yoga is the, is the giving back. That's at the root cause of, of I mean, it's, it's the root and the heart of, of, of everything. So for me, those, those questions, they were, they were fairly easy to answer. But just the fact that I had to kind of stop and kind of evaluate like, hey, how am I showing up in the world in this, in this way? How am I showing the world what I do? How am I showing up in my studio every day? How am I greeting my students? What am I offering? Um, and of course, it's not just me. It doesn't end with me, but we have 30 plus, 35 plus employees in this business. How is 
each of these people showing up for the world. How are our, I don't know, we have nine teachers at the studio, I think right now. Um, I'm also responsible for them, right? And every single student that steps into their classes. Uh, so I, I had to kind of sit with, okay, okay, I need to really look into what we're doing at the studio. Have Has there been any, of course, you know, they might be unintentional and no one means any harm with anything that's, um, that's surfaced as something that we, with time changed there's been no bad intention no no one has wanted to be offensive or disrespectful or you know mindless at all everything has been brought out from this place of, of heart but what i've learned also from talking to rachel cargill last week's podcast which was so so important for me is that intention doesn't mean anything without impact right we can have all the good intentions in the world and what really matters is how we show up in the world the impact we make on our surroundings and I had to really, really, really sit with that and sit with all of this. And some major things came up, which for me are major things. I mean, totally have been major things. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I have so many great photos on my phone. Most of them are of Lea Luna. There's Lea Luna eating, running on the beach, playing with her toys. But I also have great shots of Dennis and me at our wedding and on our adventures together around the world. A lot of my favorites are on Instagram, but I really wanted to have these special moments in my home. So I started building a photo wall and I used keepsake frames to help me out. Keepsake frames is the easiest way to frame photos from your phone in just seconds. Download the app, upload a photo, and choose among many options the frame that you like the best. See a detailed preview of the final product before you buy it, and once you're happy, it ships. And because Keepsake Frames ships directly from their studio around the US, prices start at just $25 and shipping is always free. You can create a custom frame print right now in under 30 seconds. Whether you're doing some home decorating or even looking for a thoughtful personal gift, with Keepsake Frames, you know it will be the perfect touch. Every keepsake frame is handmade in the USA from high quality materials. They even have canvas options and they look amazing. Keepsake frames have framed hundreds of thousands of smartphone photos, but the one that matters most is the one you are going to order. The one that will brighten up your home every time you see it. Bring your memories to life without the time, cost or effort of going to a frame shop and do it with keepsake frames. Right now they are offering an incredible deal for all of our listeners. 30% off of your first order when you go to keepsakeframes.com slash yoga girl. Download the keepsake frame app and get 30% off plus free shipping at keepsakeframes.com slash yoga girl. That's keepsakeframes.com slash yoga girl. So a couple of changes that I've made and here is just me kind of my, my personal practice. For instance, for me, the biggest, biggest piece, uh, I, I guess the biggest change and the biggest takeaway for me personally, um, I practice with mala beads every single day. I mean, if you've ever seen like a photo or a video or me talking on Instagram, like anytime you see me, I, I wear a mala bead every day of my life. <laughs> um, I, I wake up in the morning. It's it's kind of part of my practice is that I, I choose my intention for the day and I choose my stone for the day. I choose my mala bead of the day and I practice with that mala bead and I, 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 I kind of, I pass the... Uh, the beads between my fingers when I meditate. I I like to hold the the mala at the end of my asana practice when I bow to earth. I integrate it into my practice. But for the most part, when I'm practicing asana, I put it at the very top of my mat because for me that's just I when I'm in child's pose when I bow I bow to that direction. So it's been this. It's also where I place my crystals if I'm journaling or lighting a candle. I'll put it at the very top of my mat, like right in front of the mat. I, I'll pay, place my really sacred items. And my malas go there, like they have for a really long time. 
And I've known that, you know, in, in, in Indian and, and Hindu culture, anything that touches the ground, anything kind of ground level where we put our feet is seen or known as, as an impure place. Like you don't put your sacred statues of deities or Hindu gods, you don't put them on the floor. Like that's a disrespectful thing to do. And I've been aware of that. It's also in Buddhism. Like you don't put Buddha on the floor. And um, I, I've actually, it's, it's actually been a pretty recent thing that our housekeeper, the woman that helps us clean at the house, um, she'll sometimes have this Buddha outside. If she cleans the, the table there, she'll put the Buddha on the floor. And then once she left it there and I had to kind of, it, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, hey, just so you know, like we don't leave the Buddha on the floor. The Buddha, he sits on top of this, of this table. And she was like, oh, why? And I was explaining like, oh, this is why. And then this conversation started and I kind of went full circle with, oh, like this is kind of a little crazy to me. But um, having the conversation with Susana was like, well, if it's in our culture, the culture from which yoga stems from, it's not a respectful thing. It's not honoring these mala beads, which is such a sacred part of this culture and of my personal practice. Don't put them on the floor. We would never do that in our culture. Do you have to do that? And I was like, but... To me, like to me, that's such a sacred thing. I put my sacred things there. She's like, yeah, but in our culture, which is a culture that I'm borrowing, right? I'm taking pieces from this culture and I'm um, using them for my own, for my own gratification, for my own life, for my own, for my own practice. Um, do they have to go on the floor? And I was just like, whoa, like, of, of course they don't have to go on the floor. That's, that's insane. Like, why would I, why would I struggle against that? Why would I make a thing out of that? Like, just let me put my mala beads wherever, wherever. Why, why, why not? How hard is it to stack a couple of blocks next to my mat and leave my mala beads there or to put them on a little table next to my mat or a little ledge or hang them somewhere? Like, is that a challenging thing to do? No, but it, it kind of forced me to look back and see all the, I don't know, thousands. I mean, for sure, thousands of times that I, I kind of, you know, with a sacred breath, put my mala beads on the floor. Um, it has been appropriating, appropriating culture because I have not been respectful of where this practice came from, honoring the culture and uh, from, from, from which it came. So making that shift, and I mean, speaking about this now, maybe to you guys, it sounds like a minor thing, like this is not a big deal and who cares or put your beads on the floor or elevate them, whatever. Like, does it change anybody's life? No, it's changing my life. I, I don't know how else to, to describe that. Um, the act now that when I roll out my mat and it comes, like I sit down on, on my mat, like I practice this morning, I sit down, I take my beads off and I have that extra second of placing the beads somewhere else, right? Of In a place that's elevated. I'm anchoring into this ancient, ancient th culture that's thousands of years old that brought me this practice in the first place, which means that I'm tapping into this sort of I don't know how to explain it, this ancestry of, of belief that I have been disconnected from before. It's brought me an, another level of sacredness. Um, it's, it's, I have a really hard time putting this into words, but it's added value to my practice, just that, that little action. And it might sound super small and like, I don't know, people are upset with me. I mean, I've gotten like intense comments and an email like, why would you do that? That's so like, I, I wasn't intentionally trying to do something bad. I just didn't understand until now the importance of that, right? So we just, today we made this change at the studio, which has been super awesome. Um, we're putting a little, 
Um, so we have this area where we have our mats and props and, and blocks and things like that. And there's a beautiful little pillar there uh, in the shala. And we're putting a hanger there uh, and, and painting like a little sign for mala beads. Like, I don't know, I want to paint sacred or something specific there. So that when you walk into the room, if you don't want to put your beads on the floor, you know, just hang them in this really sacred place. So they're still present with you when you practice, but you don't have to put them on the floor. And I know this little sign, it's going to inspire conversation. Just students are going to ask, why do you have that sign there? What's it for? Why are the people hanging their mala beads there? Um, it's just a really easy way to, to keep that heritage and to keep that um, culturally significant practice alive. And it's so easy. <laughs> it's so forking easy. Um, a couple of other changes that we've made, we've had uh, not in our main shala, but in our terra shala, which is kind of our, our, our second biggest space. Uh, we've had a statue of Kali in the in the room. I have I think I've spoken about about my, my connection to Kali in the another podcast. It was when I went to Path of Love, um, this very um, this big transformation that I had. I had a big experience with Kali and uh, I, I, I have a statue that I love and I put it in the Terra Shala. Just, I don't know, I felt like she belonged there and our Terra Shala is our Earth Shala and I don't know, I just kind of felt that she belonged there. Um, when, of course, it makes sense for us to put our most sacred things like a statue of a Hindu god we put on the altar in the Yoga Shala. Um, but that means in Shavasana, every single student in the room is showing their feet to this most sacred statue, uh, which is a totally disrespectful thing to do. And just, this is also like, it might sound like a small thing. It is a major thing. It's become a major shift. And me, you know, so we removed her, put her something like she's at uh, in my home. She's at my house right now. But having this conversation with all of my teachers and all of our staff at the studio and explaining, like, you know, we've, we've never sold items of clothing with, with um, Hindu deities. Like you wouldn't see like, you know, a t-shirt of Ganesh or Namaste on a shirt or anything like that. Like we haven't had that. But uh, for instance, we've sold Tibetan bells. We've sold, um, we sell Palo Santo. We sell different types of incense. And the question is, have I been doing a good enough job of having my staff educate the people that are purchasing, purchasing these things? Uh, the answer to that question is no, no. When I've stocked our boutique, I'm just thinking, oh, when I step into a really awesome yoga boutique and I, and I need something or I want to purchase something, like what do I want there? Because I use these items for myself, right? And I know where they came from and I know how to honor, um, how to, how to honor them. At least I think, like I've been thinking that I know how to honor the mala beads my whole life. And I've just had another level of learning there. Um, are we passing on that knowledge to the people that 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 purchase things in the store? And I, probably not. So some shifts and changes we've made is we're removing some things from the store. Um, we're going to continue selling mala beads because it's an item that I feel like every single person on our staff is very well versed with. And um, we can help educate people that buy them in a really good way. And people use them in practice and retreats and training. So it gives us a lot of time to do that. But um, there are other items in the store that we're just not going not gonna to sell anymore. So all of these things, mm, you know, I don't know. If you don't care about this topic, it might sound like who cares and uh, let everybody do whatever they want. And I've had a lot of comments of like, aren't we all one? Uh, why, why have these fights that just separate us? And for me, that big understanding of how tapping into another culture like a culture I wasn't born into and doing that with an extra level of respect and understanding it just adds so much value to 
to why and how that practice unfolds for you in the first place. It doesn't take anything away. And if I can be more respectful, I want to be more respectful. If I can offend less people, like, hell yes, <laughs> there's no reason for me to um, to walk around and be offensive if I can, if I can avoid it, right? Um, so then the question was, okay, well, if you would have come to the conclusion that for you as a white woman, teaching yoga is cultural appropriation, it's a bad thing, you should not do it, we would be having a really different conversation right now. <laughs> I don't know what that conversation would have been, but um, there would have been a major shift that it would have had to happen for me. There's no way I can arrive at a at a knowing or a learning in my heart and then not make changes according to that. Um, so it's just, it's been, yeah, it's been some uncomfortable shifts, but that have kind of resulted in just beautiful things. And from all of these conversations, of course, the most important thing has been diversity in our studio, diversity at our trainings and our groups. And that for me is, is what I'm seeing the biggest shift already now in. And it's kind of a cool thing. Like it's kind of a really, really amazing thing. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I always have such a hard time shopping for new bras, and I'm sure there are many ladies out there that can agree with me. Trying bra after bra and not loving them can be such a discouraging experience on a day out of shopping. But now the experience and much, much more has been completely revolutionized by Third Love. Third Love has created the perfect bra and the perfect way to get it. Right from the start, they help you identify your breast size and shape to find styles that fit your body with their Fit Finder quiz. You can take it right now and in 60 seconds, your order can be placed and it's on its way to your house. It's actually fun and totally beats those awkward fitting room experiences. But Third Love knows that a perfect bra goes way beyond the shopping experience. That's why they are the industry leader offering an incredible 70 sizes with cups from 8 to 8, including exclusive half cup sizes and bands up to 48. Did you know most old school brands only carry 15 sizes? No wonder we have such a hard time finding the perfect one. Third Love knew that 50% of women fall in between standard cup sizes, so they took that information to heart. Each size is specifically designed for the perfect fit. And on top of that, with expertly designed ultra-soft fabrics, lightweight memory foam cups, straps that do not slip, and tagless labels to avoid itching, Third Love solves all of those pesky problems women experience when wearing a bra. Try a Third Love bra today and you might even forget you're wearing it. If you don't agree, returns and exchanges are always easy and free. Third Love knows there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners 50% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of your first order. That's thirdlove.com slash heart for 15% off today. So when it comes to our local studio here in Aruba, we have amazing diversity. I mean, Jesus, we have, I mean, in Aruba, there's 83 nationalities. We have every single type of person, like every culture, everything is really, everyone is present at the studio locally. And then when we translate that to our teacher trainings and to our retreat groups, which are our more expensive programs, it's not showing up that way at all. So I've, you know, fully understood that there is a gap either in how we market things or in the price point or in something along the way that I want to shift and change um, to make everything we do equally accessible for everyone and to make sure that we have um, we, that we have every culture represented in everything we do. It's, it's so important for me. And birth through this has been this, hmm, I don't want to say new awareness of what I want to create in the world. We have something so beautiful coming this week. I, I'm going to cry now again when I think about it. Um, 
And so much of that already relates to this. And we've done an amazing job over the past year and a half putting this out into the world. Um, but what I haven't done is um, like take a really good look around within my own, within myself, right? So if you heard the conversation I had with Rachel Cargill, like how am I showing up? This podcast, how many guests of color have I had compared to how many Western, you know, white people? Um, it's definitely not a balanced number, like not in any single way. Has that been intentional? No. But already now, like, okay, hey, if I'm existing in this mainly white culture and this mainly white community, I'm going to have to go out of my way a little bit more to make sure that we get people of color on the show because they're not, you know, in my immediate sphere, like for whatever reason. And the moment I started making that effort, like, hey, like I really want to, let's make space for this. Let's make this happen and not just wait to see who writes and wants to be on the show. And, you know, because mainly we've had white guests reach out to want to come on or the other way around. Um, and already now, like we have a, a, a lineup of some super cool guests coming on the show that are just from all different types of the world. Ugh, people of, it's just like that I just couldn't imagine even having a chance to get on the show. <laughs> and now that I had this new looking of like, hey, let's let's reach out and make the effort in different ways and not just kind of be lazy and sit on our butts and see who shows up. Um, it's it's already bringing about so much so much value and I want to the thought of someone looking at what we do feeling oh I don't think I'm welcome there that fucking breaks my heart that's that totally breaks my heart and there's no fucking way I will allow for that ever to be the case so I'm fully dedicating not just the rest of this year but I mean whatever whatever it takes to make sure that we have more diversity and that we have this totally open space which it already is but I don't think it has looked that way I haven't done a good enough job showing the world that um, that this yoga and what I teach and what we do it's for everyone it's for everyone and of course with that it's been you know who really needs this practice like who needs to fully be here that's who I want to make this practice accessible for that's who I want to make this healing accessible for <laughs> and um I'm just smiling that I'm saying this. And it's kind of funny because if you look at this from the outside, it's like, oh, all these difficult conversations. And I could have just been like, oh, this doesn't bother me or whatever. Like, who cares? We have a good thing going. No, like I'm, I feel so grateful that I have this awesome community that keeps me in check and that calls me out when I get lazy and that calls me out when I'm, when I'm, yeah, however unintentionally, like remembering that that intention doesn't mean anything without impact. Um, when I'm not, walking the walk right and I'm not a perfect person and I've never pretended to be I, I do my best to show up in the best way for the whole world every single day and however more I can I can bring about that space that space that I that I put so much effort in you know we put so much effort in our work it's kind of crazy I feel so proud just just what we're about to share this week. A part of this is what I've already shared. We we have Yoga Girl Foundation, this this new foundation that we are about to launch. Um I can't wait for this secrecy to be over so that I can talk to you guys like normal people. <laughs> I don't want it to be a secret anymore. I don't wanna, you know, we have had this launch coming for a long time and with it there's a bunch of 
additional launching things. Um, but for me, what it truly is, is a way to harness the beauty of this community together with the beauty of this practice, together with this longing to be of service for the whole world and for the space to be open for everyone, for everyone, just in a really tangible, major way. And I'm, and I'm so excited about it. And Yoga Girl Foundation, which is the foundation that we've, uh, we are launching soon, that we've been deeply immersed in for a long time. I, I just, I have this feeling that there's something about this foundation that's just, it might be what I do for the rest of my life. Like, have you ever been, I don't know, on that type of track where you, you come across something or you follow a nudge, you start a new project, you, you end up on this path and something tells you like, oh, this is it. That's the feeling that I, that I have every day since I started doing this work and this work fucking sucks. <laughs> I can't even yeah explain how much it sucks. Yoga Girl Foundation, it's going to help our first our first cause is um helping children that are suffering from physical and sexual abuse doing work in that realm in that world is awful it's horrible um putting myself in the shoes of of social workers and psychologists and teachers and every person that kind of deals with this on a daily basis i have no idea how how you wake up every morning and and do your job because for me, immersing myself in this level of suffering, it's just, it's the most challenging thing I've ever done. There's been, there's been days when we've, you know, been really into this and all we do is talk about it and trying to figure out what to do and kind of trying to grasp the, the scope of the problem. And at the end of the day, I don't know if I want to drink like three bottles of wine until I pass out, if I want to fight with someone, <laughs> if I want to like... I don't know, just fall asleep and pretend the day didn't happen. Like there's this urge of like, I don't know how to release this super intense, heavy, heavy energy that sits within my body. I have to get it out somehow. It's, it's so, so, so hard. And what I've found, the only thing that really works is to cry. <laughs> the only thing that really works is to feel and to, to kind of speak that pain out loud, to speak that suffering out loud. And it's not, you know, direct suffering. I'm not suffering what these children are suffering. Um, I'm suffering just hearing about it. So understanding the scope of the suffering that's involved in these cases. And in Aruba, it's so severe. It's everywhere. It's insane. It's just a really heavy thing to do. And yet, even though it's the heaviest, probably the hardest thing oh, ever, I have this little voice in the back of my head telling me, yeah, this, this is the way. <laughs> just telling me to continue. And I, I still don't know exactly. Like We haven't defined the exact scopes of this project what exactly is it going to look like on a ground level I don't know yet um, we had a, a really long really uh, amazing meeting today at the end of that meeting I asked Dennis I'm like do you feel closer to having defined <laughs> the, exactly what this project is he's like I don't know I think I feel further away there's even more we have to do uh, I don't know exactly what it is but there's something in there that's just like this is it just keep going keep going put one foot in front of the other keep going keep going keep going there's purpose here. There's purpose here. And there's so much we have in the works that will allow you to be a part of that. If you feel called, if you feel nudged, if you feel energetically like mm, there's something here that I want to dedicate my life to or support or, you know, just be connected to in any shape or form or use as a springboard to be of similar kind of service in my own local community. There's going to be ways for you to do that. There's going to be ways for us all to get really active and Oh, 
and move and take action and of course continue setting really good intentions because we need those good intentions we have to know why we're here we have to know why we're doing what we're doing setting those intentions is a, it's a really big part but then getting off of our butts and taking that action making sure we have the impact that we want to have on the world around us that's where the magic is at <laughs> that's just it and I know listening right now, you're probably, I don't know, maybe I'm blabbering, maybe because I haven't announced and released everything we're doing yet. None of this makes sense. If you're listening to this on Friday, which is podcast day, you're probably a day away from finding out. I can't say for sure because we're having an insane amount of, <laughs> I don't want to say issues, but um, we've, we've pushed this launch date so many times now because we want it to be really perfect. Still haven't committed, but I'm hoping... I'm hoping tomorrow's the day. <laughs> so let's see. Let's see. Until then, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. Today, when I when I was kind of sitting down to talk um, for the show, I was like, I have so many things I want to touch about, talk about. I could have a whole show just talking about the child abuse and what we're learning, but it would be so heavy. I could have a whole podcast talking about cultural appropriation and yoga uh, but we've been over that so much already and I could have a whole podcast talking about diversity and mm, I'm like, I want to, I want to touch on all of these things because they've been on my mind. What I could have and probably will have a whole podcast episode talking about is the glorification of being busy because <laughs> I'm so guilty of that. And today, all day, I've been so busy, so busy, so busy, so overwhelmed. I have so many things to do. I can't believe I'm busy, 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 busy. And there's this totally false notion that the busier you are, the, the the more important you are, or the better you are at your job, or the more things you're making happen. That shit is not true. <laughs> not true at all. I have days where I'm so busy, I can't even see my hand in front of me anymore. And at the end of the day, I feel like I got nothing done. And it comes back to that that impact and setting that intention and then doing one thing at a time, people. Really, really, really focusing on what's most important. So wherever you are at in your life right now, I hope you're not so busy that you're missing out on the really beautiful stuff that happens in the in-between. I hope you're giving yourself space to breathe and to be and to have fun and to balance all that hard work with play, whatever your hard work is, if it's motherhood or if it's office stuff or business stuff or family or whatever it is, balancing it out with rest and play, it's such an important thing. And again, I want to say thank you. Just thank you for listening. Thank you for holding space for me to, to blabber. And thank you for being patient. Next time we talk, I'm going to dive deep into all the amazing stuff that we have already released by then. So thanks for your patience. I love you so much. And next week, next podcast might just be the biggest one ever. Love you long time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Transfervise, Parachute, Keepsake, and Third Love. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week. <laughs>